Empire podcast this week, things get a little weird, a little creepy, and yet strangely beautiful, because Tim Burton is visiting the pod booth to talk about Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. And no, we are not all graduates, thank you very much. We got kicked out for being too peculiar. Um, hello, pod. I'm Helen O'Hara, and welcome to the Empire podcast, back in the studio after the live podcast last week, because the O2 insisted that we leave, please and thank you, and stop talking over the Monday night screening of Bridget Jones's Baby. Personally, I think people were loving it, but I guess there's no accounting for taste. Your regular host, Chris Hewitt, is currently away on a top secret mission having to do with the essence of wetness. So I'm covering for him in the hot seat this week. So apologies for that. As ever, I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. First up is our art house guru, who spent this week fascinated by the debate that has everyone talking. Whether Toy Story is really secretly a remake of Tokyo Story. It's Phil DeSemlin. Hello. 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 So yes, that was the big debate this week. Was it? I can agree. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there were any other debates that anybody in the world was talking about. Don't think so. No, that's probably Shouldn't have thought so. Probably right. Um... Is that, is that true? No, I don't think so. Did you just make that up? Because it's got just, the word story in it. I'll be honest, I got to this morning and I didn't really have an intro for you and I just tried to think of our oh, house films. So, good. Yeah. If in doubt, go Ozu. Well, you did. I mean, it seems like a word to live by. I've actually just been reading Silence, so I think I've got like Japan on the mind. Right. Silence yeah. is the new Martin Scorsese film, which yeah. is officially going to be coming out in cinemas Soon. at some point. Yes, it is. It's exciting, isn't it? That's, is that news? I think we were expecting that if Martin Scorsese made a film, it would appear that in somebody... cinemas at some point. <laughs> <laughs> that somebody would release it. Yeah, but it's exciting that it's coming this soon. And, yeah. Because that's something he's been working on for 20 How years. How soon? So. Uh, a couple of months. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, hello. We have one more colleague, and it is our soundtrack siren, a woman who can spot a theremin at a thousand paces and who considers Michael Giacchino's punny titles the highest form of film art. It's Emma Thrower. Hi. Hi. And that is true. I do <laughs> consider them the highest form. <laughs> yeah. There is no question, I guess. No. I mean, it's, it's like Ozu number two. Two, mm-hmm. And then, like, Michael Cicchino's punny titles, Absolutely. number one. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We nearly made Phil do a spit take. That was so close. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just missed it. Mm. Okay, time for the question this week. We only have time for one because we've got about a bajillion reviews to do. This one comes from Gethin Moggs. As someone who has just finished Freshers Week, congratulations, what are the best university or college-based films? Mm. Yeah, so uh, Gethin, who's presumably somewhere nursing a hangover. Um, asleep. Or asleep. Or, <laughs> or, or frantically f- trying to figure out. Um, basically, I had a Freshers Day and then they threw us work. So maybe what? maybe Gethin is already working very what? hard. Literally, we got there on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. They gave us our first piece of work on Thursday morning. That's outrageous. Uh, In fact, I think that's illegal. Where did you go to university? Oh, I know where uh, you went to university. <laughs> oh, that explains so much. Yeah. Okay. So say everyone else gets about two weeks. The Hogwarts so. seat of high learning. <laughs> well, yeah, sad. I didn't do any of that. I didn't think I did my first bit of work until my third year. <laughs> so <laughs> this explains a lot. Yeah. I was in the sort of Van Wilder-like education system of Scottish universities <laughs> where you can kind of stay as long as you like. And it was amazing. Excellent. So what so was Van Wilder, which is Van for Wilder. me basically a documentary. <laughs> Um, we well, see Van Wilder too. Not that I was as cool The as Rise Van of Taj mm-hmm. was kind of set in my neck of the woods, um, but was utterly wrong on every possible level. So that would not be one of the best. I haven't seen it. Is it worth watching? No, it's terrible. I mean, it basically has some, you know, Oxbridge Academy type place, but they've got 
inexplicably American traditions, like essentially fraternities, and they've got some weird inter-house competition that doesn't make any sense. And they think you can recreate the Battle of Agincourt with paintballs, and it's all very upsetting <laughs> from a sort of historical angle, mm. and I, I didn't like it. Is Taj, is he the one in, in Van Wilder who comes to an American university to learn the noble art of muff diving? That is correct. Right, yeah. and so he got a spin-off. Well, he did. But don't watch it. Well, I wouldn't rush out. That's, okay. that's all I'm saying. Yeah, not It's not in my list, that one, either. No, actually. no. It's shocking. We should probably answer the question, really. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ones. to choose from. Um, I, I dabbled with university, so I don't know if I'm 100% qualified to uh, to answer the question. I never graduated, but... Um, but you had Freshers Week. I had multiple Freshers <laughs> fortnights. Oh, my God. <laughs> but we won't get into that. Um, I think keeping it modern... I mean, I've got things like The Graduate and flatliners was was wow. one. I mean, that's not a good time studying, but that's certainly an interesting time. Legal Blonde, etc., etc. Everybody wants some. I, as someone who went to school, college in the 80s, I feel, you know... <laughs> Were you born in the 80s? I was born in the 80s. Like 89 or something, right? 88. 80, right. Yeah. Okay, well. Everybody wants some. I just, I love it so much this year. And to me, that's one of the most fun times. I kind of felt a bit jealous that I wasn't playing. <laughs> <laughs> baseball and one of the lads. That is, I think, the, possibly the definitive Freshers' Week film. I feel like that is now the one to beat in Everybody terms of depiction of, yeah, in de- terms of depiction of the first week of university. Phil is looking suspiciously at me like he doesn't agree. This is my morning face. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, Animal House? I was just wondering if that has mm-hmm. a Freshers' Week in it. I can't remember. I can't remember either. It, seemed, it always seemed like it was building up to the end of term more than the beginning. It certainly has possibly my favourite scene in, in one of these movies, uh-huh. which is the courtroom scene where <laughs> he he somehow makes their um, fraternity gross misdemeanors into an attack on the very fabric of American society <laughs> and leads everyone out of the courtroom in disgust, which is um, which I really enjoy. Um, I don't know. There's there's plenty of serious ones, but it's always the kind of fratty ones that springs first to mind, don't they? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Like when you talk about this, you don't immediately think of Wonder Boys or, <laughs> or The Graduate necessarily, even though there's a clue in the title. But yeah, yeah hasn't he left university though in The Graduate? Isn't that the point? Um, he, but- <laughs> isn't it his <laughs> last summer holidays? Yeah. Is, wait. Oh no. Yeah, we, isn't he the graduate? Like, I feel like the clues. You in think the file. he's graduated? I mean, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm not beginning to question myself, but I feel <laughs> like he's graduated. Would it confuse you further if I told you the working <laughs> title was the undergraduate? Oh, that's confusing. And they lost um, it because it was too syllabic. <laughs> we should know the answer to that. I Probably don't know should. the answer to that. I have some suggestions. I would like to submit starter for ten, which I think is yeah, really good that's on, on my list. On your sort of awkwardness at university and the fact that you maybe don't immediately become the super coolest person around. No. So good. There's um life imitating art in there isn't there because Benedict isn't Benedict Cumberbatch the least cool person at University Challenge yeah he is but I remember loving him in that film and and just being fascinated by him sure Um, so I feel like I was like ahead of the curve on that one you know everybody else just caught up he's brilliant in that he is brilliant his his jumpers are appalling (laughs) but I knew people in college who who wore that jumper basically so it kind of rang true to me sure I would also say I mean I would actually again say Legally Blonde I think Legally Blonde actually reminded me more of my college years 
than Van Wilder did um, despite being set further away uh, Pitch Perfect I think is good as well about finding your people and yeah. finding your, your posse at university um, and one I watched recently for the first time and I know that's terrible and I should have seen it years ago The Way We Were with yeah, Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford I mean he was at that point where like basically every outfit he wore he'd come on screen and I'd say to my sister my god he shouldn't be allowed to wear that that's ridiculous <laughs> because he just looked ludicrously good in everything uh, so that was kind of distracting but the college stuff was kind of interesting because she's the kind of fired up passionate student union rep person and he's the kind of jock type who she dismisses out of hand but actually has a lot going on under the surface and is quite interesting really so that was very cool I liked mm, it okay okay He's finished college in the graduate. He has graduated. He has. Oh. Ah. He is his last summer, right? <laughs> Don't I feel like a dummy? He's, it's just, he's finished and he's also graduated. And uh, he's graduated from a place called Williams College, which is a liberal arts college in Massachusetts. It's a real place. Ah. So there. Um, Strike that one then. Another liberal arts college setting recently is Whitstillman's Damsels in Distress, mm-hmm. which has some funny bits as well, more from a female point of view. I was going to say, not because it's brilliant, but just because that brought it to mind, the Josh Radner one. Liberal Arts. Liberal Arts. Is that what <laughs> literally, literally called? Liberal Arts. But that would be yeah. why it came to mind. <laughs> but yeah, but there were some good bits in that. I like the, the, the sort of um, judging people by their books thing, which is not necessarily the best yeah. way to judge someone, always. Um, one we can definitely all relate to, I guess, is the social network, you know. Of course. Yeah. I mean, we all made our billions yeah. first thing. Yeah, college. I like to think of myself as a Napster type. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, that's fantastic anyway. That has to be in there, but I don't think it's one that we can necessarily all relate to. I was always doing complex formulas on Windows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was always rowing. Well, you do look like Andrew Garfield, so, you know. Yeah. It does do kind I? of... Yeah. Okay. It's like he's in there the booth. It's a little bit. Mm, yeah. But he's just... Okay. In that film especially, like, he's, yeah. he's doing a full fill. Really? Yeah, it's really there. Okay. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. And uh, 22 Jump Street. Yeah. 22 Jump Street. You're not wrong. Yeah. I can't argue with that. I won't even try. <laughs> it's funny, though, because in Van Wilder, nobody nobody really points out how old he is all the time, do they? Mm-hmm. Whereas those two, like, they just walk in and everyone's like, you're so old. You're super <laughs> yeah. old. You're so old. Couldn't be older. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it, they do that in, uh, I know it's not a college film, but Never Been Kissed as well, that people keep going to, are you sure you're a teenager? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'm a teenager. Uh-huh. And David Arquette. Yeah, just uh, been held back a few years. <laughs> what about there's a college scene in a film that I don't know if you've seen it. Okay. It's called Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of Something. I can't remember. I, d- I don't think that's But there's a, thing, a chase through a campus. Oh, yes, yes, through the library and everything. And then there's a bit that's they've just taken some stuff from Happy Days and they've just sort of reshot it. What, um, with the shark? With, like, people fighting. <laughs> oh, yes. The shark. <laughs> yeah, no, that, on a metaphorical level, the shark. But in a real level, the jocks and the whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, I, does that ring any bells? I mean, if I'd seen it, I'm sure it would, but I, yeah, I've mo- never heard of that film. Yeah. The motorcycle going... I had a dream about the motorcycle ah. going through into the library. Yeah. All the time, I really I really enjoyed that. It was okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a good little scene. Yeah. Another question we got this week was good scenes in bad movies, which we may tackle, tackle another time, but I feel like that would be a good way to segue into that if we were to do that. Darn, it would, because I've got a great answer to that question, which I can't think of right now, so we should definitely come back to that another week. I remember <laughs> watching a bad movie a, a few weeks ago and thinking, oh, that's a ma- an amazing scene, though. Sure. Yes. So. 
We yeah. should definitely do that question another time. Let's do it. Okay. One. But on that note, let's uh, stop there. We seem to have, I think, provided a completely definitive answer to that question, or at least a useless series of ramblings, um, but, uh, <laughs> something along those lines. Anyway, if you would like your question answered with the same gobsmacking intellectual rigour that we were taught at some of the best universities in the country, you can, of course, uh, tweet us. We're at Empire Magazine and the hashtag is Empire Podcast. We are podcast at empireonline.com if you would like to email or we're on Facebook at Empire Magazine. I think it's time for a guest before we move on. Here is a man whose very name describes a style of filmmaking, whose movies range from Oscar-nominated biopics to the two best Batman movies. Yes, I said it. Come at me. I don't care. To the wild, dark fairy tales for which he's best known. His latest film is Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, a film based on a book inspired at least in part by his previous films. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Burton. Super delighted to be joined by Tim Burton on the Empire Podcast again. Um, you came very kindly to talk, to talk to us about Big Eyes. And now you're back to talk about Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which is a title that I struggle to say. <laughs> say that three times fast. Can you do that? Wait, no. It's challenging. Did you have a shorthand for it instead? Yeah, Miss P. Miss P. Um, I, first of all, love the fact that you cameo in this film. Did, did you get your... out of necessity, really. Oh, really? What happened? Was there a story behind that? Well, we, 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 well, I shouldn't say this because I could get into trouble for it, but no, we, we, I needed a few more shots and we were done shooting and we, we didn't have any permits or crew or film or people. So we just kind of snuck up to Blackpool and just did a couple of little shots. Did just, you? yeah. Okay. <laughs> that is so, so, just so on the sly, you know? This is amazing. So this is like old school kind of yeah. out the back of a van filmmaking oh, yeah. on a big yeah. blockbuster. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. I was going to ask you about this a bit Got later. I chased off the pier a few times. You know? Did you? But I was going to ask you about this a bit later, but I think it's now's a good time. Um, you have declared yourself in the past um, Blackpool Pleasure Beach's biggest fan, <laughs> which is a really big statement. Is well, that- I don't know if it's I'm the biggest one, but I do love it. And I, I'm always, I don't know quite why I love it so much, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit disturbing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I really try to explore all the reasons, it's, you know, it may take years of therapy for that one. Well, we've got 20 minutes. <laughs> um, you you actually had the honor and you followed in the footsteps of such, uh, no pun intended, luminaries as Kermit the Frog, the Bee Gees, Les Dawson and Terry Wogan oh. in turning on the Blackpool yeah, Illuminations. Was, you know what? Sometimes in your life you get these little moments, you know, I got my hands and feet in the Chinese theater in yeah. LA, right? That was really recent but lighting the lights in blackpool was another just like you know ticket off your box is like one of the great things to do you know it was just such a honor to do it and uh i loved it you know i i felt like the unofficial mayor of blackpool do you think um now that they you've 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 confessed to having shot illegally in blackpool they're gonna turn the lights off again (laughs) (laughs) no i hope look i didn't break any major laws (laughs) you know it was just a little quick shot here and there that was okay i mean you know yeah well look i mean we should contextualize this in saying that the film obviously is set partly on 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 the on the pier in blackpool yeah, a little bit, we shot a little bit there. You know, we, we had a lot of different locations, uh, but that was just one that, uh, I, I, I don't know why, I just find those kind of places so sort of poetic and beautiful and haunting and, uh, you know, there, there's just something that's very, very 
I don't know. I, I find it very sort of reflective when I go there. I just like walking along the pier and it just sort of suits my, my, my mood in a way. It's quite a specific. On the podcast, we get asked questions and we haven't been asked this, but, the, but films that are shot on piers, mm. like famous moments. You can't think of that many. Like the Brighton Rock has a famous yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, there was one that I remember it, it was called, it was called Night Tide with Dennis. It's a black and white film where he plays a, 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 a sailor. And he meets like a mermaid and like a, on, yeah. a, on a, you know, on, on the old pleasure beach that had a haunting quality. I, I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, and that's why I used to always go to the Santa Monica Pier. And there was another one called Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh, See, if you have trouble that. with Miss Peregrine title, yes, uh, this one's even worse. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's was shot on a pier. So there are some. Going back to to um, to the sort of the casting process, we've got Samuel L. Jackson in this. You have not worked with him before, which seems no. weird. Have you no, have you ever I, come close? No, I, but he's somebody I always wanted to work with. You know, yeah. just because he, he's like one of the few actors that I I can think of who, if I hear he's in a movie, I just want to see him. Yeah, because you know, I I can just see him if, he, if he's in ten movies a year, I'll I'll watch him because I just think he's. Just something he is about him, such a strong. Well, he's just such a strong. I don't know, and he's always. Diff- I don't know. I just, I just love him. You know, he's just got such a power and such a strength to him. Yeah, Miss P, as I'm allowed, I'm allowed to call it that. Yeah, yeah. Miss P, um, it, it, you know, the obvious sort of touch points now, especially as you've got Jane Goldman scripting and she wrote one of the X-Men movies yeah. is the X-Mansion, a bit of Harry Potter but but to me there was a lot more of the sort of universal monster stuff in yeah, this yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean that's, that's what I liked about what, what what the way Ransom had constructed the novel you know, I, I, I actually liked the book even before I read it just looking through it because based on the pictures there's something that's quite sort of you know, because I collect photographs myself, and when you look at a photograph, sometimes it's like you, it tells you a story, but then you're not quite sure the whole story of it. There's something that's quite haunting about them, poetic, creepy, weird, you know. Mm. And 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 that was a vibe that 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 I thought was very interesting about the book. It's almost like a weird, you know, children's horror bedtime horror story kind of aspect to it. And you know, Jane, who's done all that stuff, you know. We never thought of it as like, you know, X-Men kids because the kids, they're not really powers. They're more afflictions. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, it's not like they're, they're like these powerful superheroes. They're just like ba- basically like weird little kids, normal kids. And that, that's the thing that I liked about it. And I think Jane and everybody, you know, w- responded to in it. Yeah. One of your kids is uh, he, he, he spews what he spews bees from his face <laughs> in a way that makes you think this movie might be like a gateway film to Candyman. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of, yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 it is, you know, but the great thing is, is that they're all just kids. One guy just happens to have bees living inside of him. You know, one girl happens to have a mouth on the back of her neck, you know, one, you know, but you know, they're basically kids, you know, which I found quite funny and, and, and weirdly real. Do you have the invisible boy as well? Yeah. Which it, I wouldn't mind being. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, there a, is there a casting challenge? Uh, <laughs> yeah. How, I mean, seriously, how do you go about casting an invisible boy? Is he disqualified when he turns up and you can see him? Yeah, no, it's like, you know, no, yeah, poor boy. He had this blue thing. He had to wear a blue mask the whole time. It's like, Did he? But the, the, the little twins had to wear masks. So everybody had some problem on this movie. Do you know what I mean? Do you, do you as director kind of find a way of sharing their, sharing their toils somehow? Or? Well, I do try to... 
I do try to like put a mask on just to see what it's like. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. I, I think it's it's helpful to sort of see what people are going through a little bit. You know, just to just to feel it out a little bit. Can the, could the twins see anything through it? Was, was there a, they, really? They, they, we had to cut the eye holes asleep. Yeah, no, they. But but they, you know, it was quite interesting because like they, like these kids, they'd never acted, they'd never done anything before, and they were real twins. Um, but it's like you know, off the set, you know, I go, hi, and they'd both go, hi, at the same time, or they'd see them eating lunch, and they'd be sort of eating at the same really? time. It was, it was weird, man. It's like, wow, the method acting, they don't even know what method acting is, you know? Were you, were you tempted to buy them a pair of tricycles <laughs> and set them loose? <laughs> they were, no, they were, it was quite interesting. Everything uh, the same. Uh, uh, there's a really beautiful um, scene in the middle of this film, which has uh, one of the kids reanimating really super creepy um, creatures with tiny hearts, tiny organs and a tiny brain, um, which is incredibly Harryhausen-esque, if I can yeah, make the well, obvious parallel. Of course. Um, of course <laughs> it is. But but um, was that actually, that was, wasn't stop motion? Yeah, that was it stop, was stop motion. motion. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we did that stop motion. I mean, I, w- I, w- <clears throat> I would do more stop motion um, in things. But it's just so time consuming. Mm. I mean, this is that was a sequence which was just manageable to do in, in the time that we had, um, and it just felt. I mean, I'd do it any time I could, just because I love the medium. You know, it's it's something that's just, you know, you know, it's tactile, and you know, Harryhausen was such an influence in terms of what why I liked being in the movies. You know, so it, it's it's still a really strong medium, and. Uh, you know, if I had time, I'd do more of it. It was a beautiful, it's such a lovely, I just, yeah, I wish there were more out there. I mean, yeah. Leica have obviously got, I don't know if you've seen a Kubo no. yet, yeah. but you know, th- there's a few people that are still flying the flag yeah, for stop yeah, motion. Yeah, do you yeah, think, yeah. you know, after Frank and Winnie, you have another stop motion movie in you? Well, yeah, d- uh, definitely. But you know, they, they have to be, y- y- you know, <laughs> yes, definitely. Definitely. I mean, you know, Nightmare, Corpse Bride, Frank and we all stop motion. And I, I think if I were to do an, another anime, it would definitely be stop motion. Yes. Wonderful. I mean, it's been an incredible year for animation, really. I mean... Yeah, well, for the last several years, I mean, it's been it's, yeah. it's been great, you know? I, 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 you know, ever since this sort of... Ever since I basically got out of animation, it's been going very well, you know? Well, now's the time maybe to get back in, but it is sort of, it does tend to be the kind of the CG animations. I mean, Finding Dory's obviously top of the tree this year, which has come as a bit of a surprise. But but there's been some, there's been some movies I can't, they don't, they don't come to mind but you know I remember several years ago I said well drawn animation is dead and stuff but there, I've seen there's some been great drawn animation films great stop motion uh, you know great computer I mean they're all valid they're all great it's just uh, it's nice when it's when they're all still out there do you know yeah. what I mean instead of just like because I remember you know when the computer first started to become you know the thing they go well we're not going to do any more drawn movies we're not going to do any stop motion movies you know they're trying to sort of get rid of everything else so but luckily it's all stayed and and, and, and remains you know each one remains powerful there's a sequence in this that's another sequence in this that, that's Harryhausen-esque mm. inspired by Harry um, the, I don't want to give away because it's yeah. third act yeah, but, but, but yeah, it's, okay well skeletons, so we'll skeletons. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, which you've done before with the killers well yeah no, I just you know look at 
everyone, we all have them, don't we? So yeah, for we, sure. We can all relate to to a skeleton, or at least we should, because we all have them. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was in the script, and I thought, well, of course, that sequence. You know, I remember going to the cinema, saying it was one of the first sequence things I ever remember about going to the movies you know it was just like so powerful it was so strong I've never seen you know so the point was is like and oftentimes you know I, I didn't go out of my way to do it but they sort of those kind of things that inspire you very much in your DNA and they're very much a part of you know why you like making movies so when I read it in the script I thought oh well, that'll, that'll be that'll be fun <laughs> yeah. um, I as, as someone who obviously made two Batman films and, and very nearly made Superman um, I have to ask have you seen Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice no I haven't I, I can't I think you know and I haven't seen the documentary based on the Superman thing for that I you know. right yeah I mean I just it's, it's it, that was such a painful experience yeah, you, know, you ever work on something for like a year and yeah. then it gets, it's 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 like wow, you know. So now I haven't, I, not yet, not yet. Uh, maybe on the plane on the way back, but I, the, the best way to watch that is that I'm not sure. <laughs> it, it, I guess that requires an element of therapy for you as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be yeah, interesting yeah. to see how different, yeah. or if there are any similarities. Yeah. Really. Well, I mean, everybody like our Batman. It's always funny because it's like you know the Batman I did. Everybody gets like oh, they rag. It's like oh, Michael Keaton. Oh, it's terrible. Terrible, blah, blah, not a good Batman, blah, blah. and then everybody, then every Batman I hear it sounds like it sounds like Michael Keaton. It's like, yes. it's like, well, why? If you didn't like it so much, why do you sound like him? You know? Yeah, no, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I have to ask you about Nick Nick Cage because you were close to doing that with him. Do you have a favorite memory of working with Nick Cage, at least in pre production? Well, no, we had good ideas. I thought, you know, yeah. we really did. I thought, I thought it was, you know, we, we we were attempting to do what what is being done, which is just explore those feelings. You know, what it's like to be mm. like that and what it's like to feel like that and what it's like to, to to be an alien on another planet. You know, I mean, this was all stuff that, that was, you know, we were really excited about. Yeah. Did he, how, did he go far down that route? Do you have any memories of... Oh, yeah. Well, no, we, we just talked about it a, a lot, you know. We tried... We didn't get as far as doing real... You know, we did, we did preliminary kind of costumey kind of things, which weren't weren't really you know meant for, you know, yeah, they weren't done. You know, just early, but that's as far as as we got with anything. Um, Dumbo, your Dumbo, don't know. Don't know. Uh, Peter choose to. Don't know. Okay. How's that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, because because of those other circumstances. Yes. That's why I just don't yes. say because, you know, I could say yes, I'm doing this. I've got a five picture deal with, and it's like well. But see, assuming that the Jungle Book success this year has made Dumbo a more viable prospect. Uh, yeah, but you know, we'll see. All right. Tim, thank you so much Thanks, for joining us again. Real pleasure. Thank you. Nice to talk nice to you. Nice to talk to you. What a nice man. All right, time for some movie news now. The meat in the movie-making sandwich. What happened this week? Hakuna Matata. I mean... It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful phrase. Phrase. Oh, well, Phil doesn't know the thing. word, so <laughs> this, this piece of news could be quite helpful. <laughs> Fill me in. The Lion King. It's having a, well, air quotes, live action yes. remake. I mean, yes, we have to put in those air quotes, don't we? Because So this is John Favreau. Yes. Who just King made the, the, again, air quotes, live action Jungle Book. Now, mm-hmm. the live action Jungle Book did have a live action element. His name was Mowgli. Will this have any live action elements, do we think? Someone did a funny tweet of a gif of the, like, take one on The Lion King, and it was just a lion mauling someone. <laughs> but, I mean, I would imagine that the template is there already mm-hmm. from The Jungle Book. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's different animals, though. Well, yeah, yeah obviously. You know, different continents. Flora and fauna. Or yeah. is this the Jungle Book 2 colon, The Lion King? It's not going to be like um, the uh, original Jungle Book, which they then turned into Robin Hood. That's true, yeah, where they reuse the animals. Where they reuse the animals, where they're just going to stick, like, <laughs> fur on Baloo. Yeah, he, he's already furry. Different sort of fur. Well, right, Golden got you, fur yeah, got you, and got a big tail and say, go on, then lion it up, <laughs> but bitch. You're right. <laughs> oh, but you're funny. right, though, like, all of the technology is there. If yes. he was ready to go and do The Jungle Book 2, then, which I'm, you know, assuming now there is absolutely no way that he can, unless he has two kind of separate sound stages and, you know. Well, I mean, how much will would need to be done on sound stage in this case? I don't know. I mean, I know they had actors come in and sort of contribute, certainly voices, sure. to the, the Jungle Book. I don't know how much mocap there was for them. I don't think there was a huge amount. So that was pretty much NPCs starting their stuff. Um, yeah, so clever. So I genuinely don't see how there can be really any live action elements to this unless they go to Africa and essentially shoot plates. You know. <laughs> What yeah, I think that's likely, isn't it? I mean, the environments are going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Uh, more, obviously, savannah and maybe some mountains. Sure. Bit um, some desert, maybe. And I don't know. Good question. Because you're right that you take the human element out of the story. What have you got? Yeah. Um, you don't have a lot that's naturally soundstage It is just Bambi with teeth. I mean, I've always been a little bit of a Lion King sceptic. I know everybody loves it. And I'm. And it's not that I don't like it. I just like, out of those Disney, out of that era of Disney renaissance, yeah. I, it's my least favourite. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, I mean, Jungle Book was great. Really loved it. Um, Lion King is obviously a hugely popular story. I can see why you'd want to revisit it. I'm just, I, I don't understand how this is fundamentally a different thing. But perhaps that will all become clear because John Favreau, we like him a lot and we've got to hope for the best. It's an interesting yeah. idea. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting idea that, you know, you had what then was a traditional animation. And that we've talked about the Jungle Book redefining what animation means now. Yeah. Um, as much as you want to dress it up as a live action film, it is 99% an animation. And uh, you, you know, it'd be an interesting compare and contrast exercise. I guess, as far as Disney, Disney is concerned, this is uh, right in the sweet spot because obviously the Lion King film is well loved, but the musical has kept the brand, <clears throat> quote unquote, top of mind for a long time now. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I love this stuff. Um, so um, <laughs> you know, people, uh, gener- it's passed on from generation to generation. Everyone knows the words to the song, well, apart from me. From you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Elton John's still alive. So, you know, there's many things that can come together on this one and make it a big hit. I'm yeah, sure it will be. I wonder oh, what sure they'll do be. with the songs because in Jungle Book, obviously, they kind of, they played around with it, but it wasn't relying on that, which mm. which arguably the original animation did. This has a lot more behind it. As Phil said, the musical, so are people going to be expecting all the songs? I don't know. This is going to be, re- I'm really, really intrigued by it. Do you I think, think, do you think they're going to get somebody in to rewrite the songs? Don't even. Like they did for The Little Mermaid. I mean, Redu- for Little Mermaid, they brought in Lin Manuel Miranda yeah, well, to, to work on it. There so, it you know. Mm, good. Everyone take a shot. <laughs> it's the circle in many ways of life. <laughs> it is. And but, yeah? Yeah. What, what else would you say about that? I would say. Do you know the other ones? What else would I say? <laughs> what else songs are there, Phil? Give me something else. I mean. What? This is just very enjoyable seeing you not know. No, this is. Oh, <laughs> it is. Would you say it rules us all, Phil? Uh, possibly. I might say that. 
Are you tri- is that a trick? Is that actually a song? That's actually a little He's feeling both despair and hope at this. I'm going to go away and learn all of the songs because this is going to run and run and I might make <laughs> And next week you do an intro. Bring, bring, <laughs> yeah, might come back with more. Circle of Life. Hot what? Wheels. Yes, yeah, segue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't. Hot Wheels, tell me more. Justin Lin. This is crazy. Is, okay. Is, is in talks to make a Hot Wheels movie. Um, do people know what Hot Wheels are? Is are those the tiny the tiny cars in my head right now? Are they the tiny tiny cars? Hold yes. on, there's an advert. Yeah, when we were growing up, used to, and when we used to watch like Power Rangers on telly, in, in between, we'd always be like, Hot Wheels. You forget, Phil's <laughs> much older. He watched Bill and Ben. <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true though. Uh, yeah, okay. I think I have. All some, right, maybe Hot Wheels. Were they the tiny? ones like yeah. little metal yeah but like, like tiny, not tiny. matchbox but hot wheels they right. did like monster trucks but they were still mini but they were still mini ones yeah okay yes but they weren't the tiny 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 ones were they am i thinking no, of, no, no much, micro much, machines those are micro, oh. micro machines okay that's what i was getting hot wheels is american american toy okay about this will be useful for listeners so big right he's, <laughs> he's holding his fingers about three inches apart okay two and a half maybe so and also I guess yeah. similar to Matchbox cars. Okay. So we could see yeah. maybe a Mike Lee Matchbox movie <laughs> as a rival at the same time. I mean, Justin Lin has some form with fast cars. Yeah. So yeah, Mike know. Lee actually likes cars too. Right. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Mike Lee's not making a movie about Matchbox cars. Justin Lin does have that 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 previous, doesn't he? Yeah. The Fast franchise. Mm-hmm. So, so do we know anything about what this story would be, or what what would be happening with the Hot Wheels? I'll be honest with you. Our our news coverage of this has been was somewhat sidetracked by uh, pun punning. <laughs> over, we sort of prioritised punning over actual hard news. So on this unlike one, us. Which is yeah, um, but it is something that's been kind of at the workshop since 2000. Three, um, McGee was going to make it, and then Joel Silver at Warner's took over the deal. But I mean, it's been a long time in the making, so they presumably have witnessed the gigantic success of the Fast franchise and thought, you know, let's get the director of one of those movies and um, and have a go. But no, in terms of like actual detail information on the project, there isn't a lot out there at the moment. So it's kind of a watch this parking space, this tiny parking space. Tiny do you think they'll be tiny, or do you think? they'll be like normal sized cars I'd be good if they were tiny yeah I think it'd be more fun but, but like in a real world yeah. environment yeah so like ant car kind of like honey I shrunk the car cross over with the borrowers that might be fun who knows? Who indeed? Who knows? It seems like more and more year on year at the moment you get these projects and you can't even imagine what they're going to do with it. And sometimes they, they turn out to have a really clever idea and sometimes in the case of, say, monster trucks, it seems like they don't necessarily. <laughs> so we shall see. Yeah, fingers crossed. All right. Any other news? So Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling um, in a duo we probably never expected to see. They are pairing up for, well, currently untitled new movie, but it's set in the world of late night talk shows. Which Interesting. It's interesting because the first thing you said to me was, wait a minute, there are no female late night talk show hosts. Yeah, right? there's more men called John. <laughs> there are a lot of men. That's like a prerequisite. You have to be yeah. called John. Or They've got a quota for men called John. It's affirmative Jay. action for men called John. Yeah. <laughs> James was close enough, right? <laughs> there's no studio attached and this is very, very thin on the ground in regards of actual information. But Scott Rudin's going to be producing it and the plot's going to find Thompson as a veteran chat host and she's in danger of losing her long-running series. So unfortunately, this just happens to coincide with her hiring her first female 
female writer in the show's history. Uh, so it's about time for women, yeah. basically, in this film. That sounds really interesting. And I'm guessing that's going to be quite a fierce bidding war with those two involved. I would imagine. I mean, Emma um, Thompson was fantastic in Bridget Jones' Baby. She? And I think her polish on the script really added something to it. Mindy Kaling, of course, phenomenal as a writer and as a a star I think they could be really interesting yeah I wonder if they're going to be you know sort of on scripting duties in any way Mm. so they haven't really got anything else on it but that's one to look out for for sure definitely Uh, staying in comedy news I know Mm. Chris would want us to mention in his absence that MacGruber 2 (laughs) is at the writing stage yes Will Forte and Jorma Taccone are writing MacGruber 2 I don't know if that means it has a green light or if they're just sort of working on it but (laughs) you know they've just got a bit of time over lunch they thought they'd yeah. they're whack not out busy, a script right? yeah they have steaks they're so busy what come on so, that's not true it, I mean it, it didn't is. make a huge mind at the box office obviously but it was pretty successful on DVD and cable yeah. so it's mm. not unthinkable that you know they could make a fairly low budget kind of sequel that's he's the super cult character really yeah let's be honest um, and I think MacGyver's coming back to TV isn't it so yeah. it might be the right we time for a new MacGoober 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 I want to see that one. I would like to see the MacGyver <laughs> movie. Let me add one more. Yes, please. Um, David Mamet. Yes. The bone dry, pitch black screenwriter, playwright mm-hmm. and director mm-hmm. um, has taken over the uh, adaptation of his own play, um, Speed the Plough, yes. this week. And um, which is interesting because, I mean, he's always, I think probably always going to be associated with something that he didn't direct. Glengarry um, Glen Ross. In Glengarry right, Glen yeah. Ross. But he has done some really, really highly watchable movies um, of his own material. He has a pass for life with me for Stay in Maine, yeah, which I adore. Yeah, I know adore. you love that film. Oh, I love it. It is a very, very good film. And that, it, it, this is another one that's got a Hollywood angle. I, it's not quite as affectionate, I don't think. No. As, um, as that one. This is a, a much darker kind of look at the competitiveness and, and ego that drives the Hollywood machine. Probably quite similar to, to Emma's story, the Emma Thompson one mm. in some ways. You know, it's that inside track on yeah. how projects, uh, you know, the stakes on bringing projects together. It was going to be someone else. It was going to be a guy called Michael Polish. But now it is going to be Mama himself. And if you've seen, obviously, St. Main, Spanish Prisoner, Heist. Winslow Boy. Winslow Boy. Know. You know, he knows what he's doing yeah. on that side of the camera. And uh, something to, I think, look out for and potentially be excited by. Yeah, definitely. If, if anyone hasn't read his book, Bambi vs. Godzilla, about movie making, that's also definitely worth a look. That's a sort of non-fiction look at how movies get made. And it's interesting. Now, you know how like I can be the the king of the Segway? Because I did all that oh, study. I mean, that was... In the art of the segue. Stunning. Right, watch segue this. Okay, this is okay. like this is like the walk of segways. Okay, it's I'm just going to take notes. Act. I'm going to take notes. All right, yeah. yeah, prepare yourself for this. Um, so, mute Duncan Jones's movie. Aha. Uh-huh. Right. Um, he's been planning it for a long time. Alexander Skarsgård is right. in it, Ooh. alongside Paul Rudd. Now. I have read in an interview that Alexander Skarsgård, and this is to, I've read this today on the way here, fresh off that, the press, that this is going to be a Netflix movie. Oh! Now I have not seen or found corroboration of that. I've not even had a chance. I literally just found it on the way here, as I say. So we are going to ask Alexander Skarsgård <laughs> in this very podcast yeah. coming up if shortly, that's if that's true. Okay, and that's you're actually stuff you're actually going to know the answer before we do because we're recording this entire podcast. Oh, 
And then doing the interview with Alexander mm-hmm. Skarsgård. Then we're going to splice it in. Oh my word! To I'm, the podcast, it's me going. I'm going to be the one doing it. Oh my god! So I feel like a puppet master in charge of time. It's this like in big... Interstellar where they go back in time and I come through the other dimension You're and push a book off a shelf. <laughs> but that book will actually be Alexander Skarsgård. Wow! Oh my god! I can't believe you're pushing Alexander Skarsgård off a shelf. I know, right? Is, how can you risk that perfect figure? I think he's pretty. He's pretty robust, though, isn't he? He's very, He's very tall. I don't know how high this bookshelf is going to have to be to actually hurt him, so I think we're okay. Well, now that is a perfect segue, though, of course, because our next guest, or I should say guests, are here to talk about John Michael McDonough's latest film, The War on Everyone. It follows up The Guard and Calvary, both of which we adore. And this one stars Alexander Skarsgård, the aforementioned, and Michael Peña, the always mentioned because he's great. And they're both here, or will be here in a second, but will have been here, um, to talk about it. So in Enjoy. Welcome to the Empire Podcast, Alexander Skarsgård and Michael Pena. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Hello, 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 hello. Michael, you have a beautiful voice for radio. Thanks, man. Do you need to do like warm up exercises before you do? Well, I was doing them earlier. I kind of prefer. I think this is sexier than when you warm up. When this is just kind of straight out of bed. Oh, you mean morning raspy, sexy? Yeah. Everyone sounds like Barry White. Yeah. Good morning. This is Michael Pena. How's it going, everybody? Listen, we got Alex. Alexander Skarsgård here uh, from the new movie Tarzan, which was a big hit for him now. He's got uh, War on Everyone. That was, uh, I did that a couple of weeks ago in the States. Did you really? And I, and I was talking to the guy before we went on air, and it was like just this really nice, normal conversation. Oh, and yeah, then, I like, know where you're getting. Red Light went on. It's like, good morning. <laughs> We're in the studio with Alexander Skarsgård. <laughs> Alexander. <laughs> so yeah. good time you hear me. I know. How are you? Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's amazing. Like, you were really nice. Nice and normal five yeah. minutes ago, dude, and now you're on like drugs. Yeah, I don't know what's that, what happened. And especially in America, like you, like I, well, I I do a lot of Spanish press, so I go to Miami, and imagine the Spanish dudes. They're like, you know, that you get somebody who's got kind of a mousy voice, and they do the same thing. Hola! And you and you're, I'm I'm always I'm like, are we supposed to match that energy? Yeah, you know what I mean. I kind because of tend to go in the, the other direction to kind of balance it. So I'm like, yeah, it's really really nice. Oh, you're, you're like, you start listening to the Cure. And yeah, start kinda, being very yeah. S- you yeah. yeah. But why is that? Is that because it's like morning radio and they um, want to pump people, people up? Well, yeah, they want to make sure that people wake up. Is that what it is? Is that why they scream? So it's like high pitched thing, and yeah, I think that they're very exaggerated. Yeah, I mean, like I'm, you know, I used to work at a bank, and that never pumped me up. It's, it, you know, it's not like it. Did you talk like that when you were a teller? <laughs> no, I mean, like how I, much money would you want to put in? Yeah, it's like like <laughs> deposit it is. Yeah, like like liquid um, liquid caffeine. I mean, vocal caffeine. Yeah. Hey, what, uh, what is it? Um, good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> it is. It's, it's Adrian Cronauer, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, good morning, Sydney International. I always, I always like these guys. It's like, uh, welcome to WGCR, where we play the hits. It's one hundred seven point five right now. We got no. That's more like NPR voice. No, yeah. that's they, no, no, no. In real, Chicago, okay. it's like up next. We got some hot jazz for you. <laughs> We're, we're probably a bit more like that. I don't know if you remember. Hot jazz. <laughs> salty hot jazz. We're more of the salty hot jazz in the nice. podcast. I don't know if you remember Midnight Caller, the TV show with Jack Killian. I saw, yeah, I don't. Very. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Do you remember it? Yeah. yeah, yeah just remember not remember. All right. Well, anyway, that's kind of more our, more our thing, I guess. Well, after that intro, I have to the... say that you guys... Yeah. 
just so the listeners know, you sound exactly like you did five minutes ago before we went on. Yeah, here. no, that's so, really appreciated. Right. If we anything, do. we go the other way. We're kind of more sort of energized and exuberant you were, before. Exactly. And then the thing starts, yeah. and we're like, right, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Michael, Michael. You guys Pena. are amazing off air. Alex, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Alex. <laughs> you guys are in a film called War on Everybody. Yeah. I don't War know. on Everyone. Yeah. yeah. War on Everyone. Yeah. By John Michael McDonough. Yeah. That's it. Got bad it. cop, worst cop is the tagline. Which one of you is the bad cop? Which one of you is the worst cop? We, uh, talk, we got we that seesaw. question yesterday. We, we seesaw a little bit. Yeah. Okay. It's difficult to say. I don't know. It's We're kind of... I don't know. I, think I started out really bad, cop. and then you outbad me, and then I outbat you, and then we it goes deeper and deeper into the darkness, kind of. <laughs> like I, I think I set up a lot of stuff, and then, and then, I, ru- you, and then you, I ruin you, you it. You go through it. <laughs> you go through with it. Yeah, Mike is more the, the well. You kind run of over my car. Of the operation. <laughs> By the way, I love the way that McDonough sets it, sets it up, and he's like, "I hit your car." You're like, "Again?" <laughs> <laughs> is it? Can I still drive it? You should take my car. <laughs> <laughs> you play Bob Bellano. Yeah. Michael, uh, you're a bad cop. You're actually quite a bad dad as well in this movie in some ways. Well, that's just your opinion, man. Am I being judgy? No, not at all. I don't know. I mean, like, okay, it's a tough love dad, right? He's, yeah, it's he's, a tough he, love dad. And you overchlorinate the pool too, which yeah. is two of the sort of the worst <laughs> sins in parenthood. Yeah. I've seen a tweet that you did quite recently about <laughs> what you said. Uh, my son asked me where babies come from. I told him to ask his mom. She told him to ask me this has been happening for five years now <laughs> tell me he's not like in his late teens yeah. no he's he's 14 right now and uh minus six all right no he's eight okay right now so but uh, you know what it, they go to school and they're like so dad where's the pussy i'm like oh man dude let's not do this right now man i'm drinking my coffee man i just woke up so you i put this my dick in the pussy no. and i was like oh man dude you're six man Shit. Where did you hear this from? Well, I'm like, please, not my laptop. <laughs> no, but it's like, it's, it's when it's so. Dude, I'm like, literally, I'm sweating. And I'm like, my wife is going to kill me, dude. And then I'm like. She just quietly walk out of the room and leaves you to it. No, but she's, I mean, she just can confront this kind of thing much easier than I can. But still, when your six year old kid comes up to you, he's like, Dad. And you're like, what do you, what do you want, you little sunshine? <laughs> do you want to learn about water, whales? Where's the pussy? <laughs> now, luckily, obviously, in a McDonald film, you can be as crass as you want. Yeah. That's all good. How was it, kind of getting that script and knowing that you were gonna do this film with him? Well, it was a it was a breath of fresh air, don't you think? Like, uh, he, you just got through doing Tarzan, yeah. And, and it, it, like, how how long did you shoot that for, by the way? Seven and a half years. Jeez. Wow. <clears throat> uh, no, it was with the, with the prep. It was all, all in all about nine months, and it was towards the tail end of the shoot. It, we shot it here in London actually, and it was up in Watford. Obviously, when you need jungle, mm. you go to Watford. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Warner Brothers Estate, they have a studio up there, so we shot up there, and it's it was an incredible experience. Very very intense physically, mentally, and everything. And um, and Tarzan is obviously kind of a, a heroic character, so it was definitely quite refreshing when I was sent this script and uh, you know Terry is definitely not Tarzan he's yeah. you know drunk throughout the movie and his moral compass is completely off 
you know, you know, it's it was just so out there. And I haven't done a comedy in, in many years. So I was really excited about it. Yeah. So like, and also, obviously, a big fan of, of John Michael McDonough's I thought The Guard and Calvary were great, great movies. Yeah, for so. me, it started backwards because I, 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 I didn't watch those movies and I had to do research. Um, well, I mean, just because I read it and I was like, this is an amazing mm-hmm. uh, script. Um, I don't know why it's so amazing. I want to see if he, he's able to pull it off. And his movies are even better than his scripts. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm totally in. But it's it's got a very interesting sense of humor it's 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 i think it's very european um which i really like uh it's not like uh you know the the uh, the jokes that we were doing about the pussy yeah crass <laughs> you guys clearly hate each other was it tough working together had you met before because you both did eastbound and down but I, you weren't presuming no. the same episode no. i actually I, I i only saw him once and that was at uh coachella and you were and you were with some paparazzi you saw me there yeah when I went out with the cops and everything? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was the pop. It was the paparazzi, and the paparazzi were being. I don't know how it is here, but they can be like just complete assholes in um, in America. Like there's for some reason they can they can do this. Like, where this is radio, so you have to explain where you. Yeah, that's can, great. Radio. Right up. <laughs> they, they can do right like this. Extreme close yeah. up. Extreme, yeah. Yeah. No, they can literally. Right they can literally. Sna- I totally forgot that <laughs> this isn't filmed at all. <laughs> no, but I. They can put the camera the, right the in your face. Mike was just rolling around on the floor. Doing this whole thing. I was doing the worm. <laughs> I was doing the worm, and I was like, "You motherfucker." <laughs> No, but they, yeah, but they can do it in your face, um, and they, they just fuck kept hounding you, man. And but then, they and they also kind of, if, especially when there there's a group of them, they they like to provoke you because yeah. it's way more fun if they get a reaction out of you, the confrontation, than you just walking across the lawn or something. So sometimes they're intentionally in your face. Oh yeah, for sure. Being really rude and and, and you know obnoxious to to kind of. But especially at Coachella, you think that they would just lay off. At, at, a, at a music festival. So did you see Alex in peril with the paparazzi and then wade in and kind of help him out? Well, the dude is 6'4", you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm 5'9". So yeah, there's but- not going to be like, I got you, Alex! <laughs> you know what I mean? Stranger! <laughs> <laughs> I'm an actor, too! <laughs> yeah. we, we always got each other's back. <laughs> yeah. Screen actors yeah. killed. <laughs> you know, film actors killed, yeah. dude. <laughs> Sack for life, motherfucker! Yeah. Where's your card, bitch? Yeah. You mess with one actor, you mess with all of us. Oh, yeah. Okay, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and you've obviously played a cop before. Yeah. Compared to working with David Ayer, what was it like just to be able to completely let your hair down and not give, you know, two flying whatever's about yeah. how you guys acted in this film? Well, this was, com- I mean, this is completely different. I actually did no research at all for this movie. because I'm, I'm thinking like, every time I saw some something that's like, um, like the French Connection or anything, like that you know what I mean it just gave me no ideas and yeah. and it was like this is John Michael McDonough has his own tone and his own kind of way of being so I'm like it, it didn't prepare me at all you know the other movies instead um, I just kept reading and watching his movies but it was I mean there's sometimes where it, like I would read it at night you know the stuff that we were doing the following day I was like I can't believe we're doing this <laughs> what, did, what did I sign up for <laughs> you know anything and in particular and he's and um, just like little stuff like I guess when you read it you know what I mean like you think like oh that's cool that's a cool bit that's a cool gag that's a cool gag and then you think you're like wait a minute I'm gonna shove a midget in water and take off his hairpiece 
I was like, all right, I want to see how this plays out. And then some of the stuff is is funnier than you thought than than I thought. Like chasing a mime, you know, so good. And then he's like, I wonder, you know, I wonder if they like if you hit them, like, are they gonna make any sound? Yeah. And then boom, boom, hit him. <laughs> well, now you know, motherfucker. <laughs> but uh, I, I did a morning show yesterday, and they tried to f- pull a scene from the movie to show, and they couldn't. They couldn't find a single scene that wasn't offensive. <laughs> so they showed like five seconds of that like clip with the mind before we hit him. It's like, oh, and here's a clip from the movie. <laughs> like, sorry, yeah, we couldn't find anything. They show, they, they, they show stills. Yeah, stills they from the movie. Find five seconds of a one hour and forty minute long movie that wasn't offensive. It really is war on everyone because everyone like gets shit on everyone Mexican Latin you know white peoples they get you know they get it too Irish Irish Mm -hmm. Irish Mm -hmm. yeah everyone it's war on everyone there's a great set piece in the middle where you guys ram raid a strip club it needs no explanation really and then there's a foot chase I interviewed John Michael McDonough and he mentioned that there's there's a bit where Bob your character pulls out his badge yeah with the police but he doesn't have it because he's too kind of fucked up to remember to bring it with him now he said that you sh- <laughs> I don't know if you want to deny this or not but he said that you guys were so hungover that morning that you actually had forgotten your badge to bring it with you on set um no actually because that's the uh, that's the prop master's job uh, <laughs> well, he was also hungover yeah. <laughs> I didn't drink well like I didn't drink during the week while I you know, right. shot this film maybe he was hungover yeah, no, I but, was hungover no, that day no it was um oh yeah you were yeah yeah I, uh, when I was sitting at the bar with like hey motherfucker just give us the, the oh you were yeah I thought that was a choice no I, <laughs> I, I make no choices at all in my acting it's all no, like... so we did we did a couple takes with it right and yeah. then or, or rehearsed with it and then I gave it to the prop master for some reason uh, okay. I forgot I think he was gonna clean it up or something and then I, I didn't have it and I was like Babalana and that's where that came about. Yeah. Um, but I only did that once, and then from then on, we, you know, we, we kept it. But uh, you just got to roll with the punches. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm glad he didn't cut. Oh no, yeah. he did. I think he did cut. But you didn't have it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it's in the movie. Shh, plus, but the- it's a better story if you tell journalists that you went out the night before, you brought your badge to the club in Albuquerque, got yeah. shit-faced, like woke up on, on the sidewalk without the badge, went to work, still drunk. Oh, yeah, maybe... Like, oh, maybe I don't he... have my prop, oh, fuck it, I'll just like hold up my Oh, hand. yeah, maybe he meant the, the character... No, no, you, as no, a, he was, no, like oh, Michael he was went out the night before. Oh, because that's somebody like, else's job. As a, yeah. <laughs> you know what? But I, I was, I was all cracked out on cocaine and yeah. methamphetamines and take two of this story. All, all the, <laughs> I was like on the on the pills. Yeah, this is the I did all the pills, crack rock, and then I was like, oh shit, I forgot my uh, whatever that is. Yeah, thing, the thing. That's a better story. It's a much better story. Thanks, bro. You guys both got very exciting, cool projects coming up. Mute with Duncan Jones has been something that's been kind of in the making he for a long moon, time right? yeah he did moon, he did moon. And yeah he, he actually wrote source code mm-hmm. yeah yeah he, he he wrote mute before moon yeah so it's it's something Whoa. his little baby that he's been nursing for like 13 years did i read that it's going to be a netflix movie yeah on Net- so it's going to screen on netflix exclusively yeah wow okay yeah so it's not going to be in in theaters at all well, i think they'll do what they did on um was it beast of no nation like where they do a theatrical release 
mm-hmm. at, you know, simultaneously as uh, a Netflix release. No cool. shit. Yeah. But you're actually part of the Moon universe in this movie. Yeah. How? Do you know how? How it ties uh, in? Well, it is a futuristic movie. It takes place in Berlin 30 years in the future. I thought you were going to say Brooklyn. It takes place in Brooklyn 30 years in the future. Uh, so it's about a guy who was in an accident as a kid. He's ex-Amish, so it takes place 30 years in the future, but he lives very in a very monastic life. He doesn't have a cell phone or anything like that. So he left the community, but still kind of follows the rules. And um, his girlfriend goes missing in the beginning of the movie, and it's about kind of him trying to figure out what happened to her so he runs through the streets of this dystopian Berlin kind of it's a bit Blade Runner vibe yeah it's it's uh, I just got back from from Dublin I uh, met up with Duncan and he showed me all the the renderings and the the, the, the visuals of it it looks I'm, I'm very very excited about it is there a character from Moon in it or maybe yeah. okay <laughs> damn little tease yeah guess who <laughs> Sam Rockwell <laughs> maybe yeah there might be I mean, it's bar. It's kind okay. of you know. It's 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 um, the same universe. Yeah. Were you a chips fan as a kid, Alex? Chips. Yeah. Did you have chips in the the motorcycle? Like fish and chips. Oh, oh, the yeah. the cops. California like the, the, Highway. Oh, I thought. Oh, yeah. I, I was chips. Is in the French. movie was, that Michael just said. Nice segue. Yeah. Or, I was uh, a massive fan. I'm really excited about Mike. I actually thought because we were chips. in England that he was saying like, "Do you like chips?" And I was I like, "Of course, like I, I love chips." No, chips the movie. Yeah, because oh. we had a conversation about this yesterday about chips being. French, French fries, fries. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, which doesn't make as, any sense. Or freedom fries, as we call freedom them. Freedom fries. <laughs> but why two words? I mean, we we definitely complicate the, um, the the language for some reason. Instead of like you know, we have trash can as opposed to a bin. Yeah, it's just a bin. That was where you throw things away. Yeah, yeah. Trunk and boot and yeah. Car stuff. park. No, we're gonna call it a parking lot. Yeah. You know, we just add more syllables. Yeah, we even shortened America to America. <laughs> so chips, chips. I, you liked it? You, you, you. Uh, did you grow up with it, or did you watch it at all? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. I loved that show. Yeah, movie? yeah, that yeah. show. I love yeah. that show. Yeah, really did. Yeah. So I. Uh, Who was your fa- what was your favorite character? Oh, I love <laughs> Thomas. Oh yeah, you know, I think it's Thomas. Yeah, uh, yeah, and great. probably the third episode, the guest star. Yeah, yeah. he it was, was really. You know, good. he had something. I don't know. It was something just really strong, really kind yeah. of just, um, just a strong presence, I guess. Yeah, well, well he um, killed himself. Right I don't after. know. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just. I think like the first couple of seasons were amazing. I thought it was groundbreaking. It was fun. It was irreverent. It was out there. There was only one season. <laughs> yeah, and that I mean, yeah, and that was. A really but it was strong. so it impactful was so that good. you thought it was like, wow, yeah. this is like two seasons. Yeah, but yeah, and then I'm talking about all the spinoffs because everyone would try to copy that, and then, oh, yeah. then it started going down. So, right. um, tell us a little bit about your um, <laughs> your movie, Mike Chips. I think people are really, really excited yeah. about this. We were like, are we going to call Chips fans uh, out there? Are we going to call it Chaps or Chips? We didn't know. Uh, we went with Chips. Yeah. I think that was an excellent choice. Yeah, yeah. Are we, gu- are we guaranteed to hear the, the theme music? Which oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to do it? Yeah. Do you want to do it? I think you're. I think you're thinking of. Don't don't Dano. 
Did you watch that? No. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. What was your favorite character? Um, I loved Tinkle Toe. That's actually the blue, the the one with the blue mane and mm. and stars on on the butt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't love a bone with stars on the butt? You know what I mean? That, yeah, like, I know what you mean. It's make it's making me think that you're like you probably know about this from some like rave when you were 17 <laughs> in Sweden. You know, some girl that you used to date or whatever. <laughs> You know a lot about more than I do. Yeah, but now that I have a kid, I'm doing a bunch of, um, I'm doing like anything just to be the cool dad. So I like Ant-Man and voiceover and stuff like that. You know, any kids things. Can you wrap this up in your My Little Pony voice for us? Why are we talking about My Little Pony? He's, my, he's in it. He's in it. He's are you in it? Thank you, everyone, for coming. This was uh, Michael Pena. This is Alexander Skarsgård. We're saying bye to everyone. Have a lovely day out there. Yeah. Well, they will have been lovely. So that will have been great, I hope. Uh, now, War and Everyone isn't out until next week, so we're not reviewing that today. But we do have many reviews to get through. There are about 70 bajillion films out this week, uh, a little bit above average, so we're going to race through them. We're going to start with the aforementioned Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, uh, the first film to be named after an orphanage, I believe, since The Orphanage. Um, so there you go, a little <laughs> factoid for you. Uh, what can you tell me about this? <laughs> that is the most incredible piece of random trivia that you have yet no evidence it's probably wrong it's not even yeah who knows well yeah like you say it's uh tim burton adapting someone who is in his own way kind of adapted tim burton so Mm. it is a really kind of neat marriage of director and material maybe too neat in a way it just sort of i don't think tim burton needs much encouragement to go down the burtony the burtony sort of wormhole i'm glad he made this film rather than through the looking glass for instance which Mm -hmm. was i guess a possibility for him because um, it does stretch him in some interesting new directions it's funny to see a Tim Burton film for instance start in Florida you know in the sunshine <laughs> on a beach it's just like whoa you'd think all of his characters would kind of melt but <laughs> to set it up briefly Ace of Butterfield is um, he, he has a, a variable relationship with his parents but a very close relationship with his grandfather Terence Stamp and it transpires that, that, that Terence Stamp has passed um, the book itself is inspired by a collection of kind of old sepia photographs around from around the world so it has that real spirit of discovery and adventure and Asa Butterfield's character has had that sort of inculcated by his grandfather who has a dark there's a dark side to it basically and we soon find out that that involves um, a variety of uh, monsters should we say invisible monsters that are kind of uh, wrangled by Samuel L. Jackson and um, the, the epicenter of the story is Miss Peregrine's home itself which is in a Welsh sort of island 
and uh, Asa travels there basically on, in, in the event of his grandfather's demise to uh, to find out more and um, you know without getting into too much of the plot nitty gritty partly because I don't want to ruin it and partly because I don't really understand it um, <laughs> there's wormholes there's timey-wimey business right, there's yeah. um, it's sort of set in 1942 I think or three there's or maybe 1944 I don't know somewhere in the war there's, Luf- there's a Luftwaffe attack which uh, threatens to destroy which does destroy uh, Miss Peregrine's home but Miss Peregrine herself Evergreen um, has a device which kind of sets resets the clock she's got a time turner it is kind of through the looking glass a bit yeah. anyway she's got a time turner it's complicated in a way that I don't think Tim Burton's really that interested in it's just that's the plot and uh, Evergreen steals the show as you'd expect she's perfect like her and Tim Burton seem like a marriage sort of made in kooky heaven yeah well I mean you need somebody like that don't you because he doesn't have Johnny Depp or mm. Helena Bonham Carter no it's it. true so I, like I don't know where to look really so I know it's weird I mean this w- I guess would have been a Helena Bonham Carter role you know maybe a few years back mm. I'm not sure if uh, you know those two are going to continue sort of working closely together but Evergreen does seem to have formed a tight mm. sort of working relationship with him and she's she's really good in this and it kind of needs someone of her easy eccentricity because mm. the eccentricity can often feel a bit forced uh, in recent Tim Burton films and um, with her it's not forced um, she is she's there chewing on a pipe um, with an incredible sort of what would you call the, the airwave hairstyle um, just living and breathing this world and while she's on screen you can't not appreciate it the other thing I really loved about it was um, it's got it's got some uh, Harryhausen references okay. Tim Burton's obviously always been a big Harryhausen Easter mm. and uh, has homaged him before we talked about it in the interview um, he did it with one of his killers music videos he got the skeletons and the skeletons sort of resurfaced in this one and there's a really lovely bit of stop motion animation right in the middle of it which is almost worth the admission fee alone I would say so there's plenty of things to like in it it's probably more story driven than we're used to seeing from Burton in recent years he seems to have eschewed story a lot of the time in favour of just a sort of selection of, of crazy world building exercises um, this one's more narrative driven perhaps a bit too much I would say right. but you know still plenty to enjoy if you're a fan of Burton we've given it three stars alright um, which is a recommendation that's a recommendation absolutely, absolutely a recommendation so um, get along to see it and I think you know the stop motion it makes me want to see another Tim Burton stop motion animation alright possibly one about the current US election because I think that's <laughs> tailor made for the treatment would watch the nightmare before Christmas <laughs> please say it it won't be called that um, right okay so that's three stars from Miss Peregrine uh, which is a recommendation next up we have Peter Berg's uh, tribute to the men who died in the devastating oil rig disaster that poisoned the Gulf of Mexico uh, Mark Wahlberg leads the cast uh, alongside Kurt Russell of a true life based story about heroism in extremely difficult circumstances Emma what did you make of this so Deepwater Horizon is as most of you know about the terrible terrible events that happened in the Gulf of Mexico in 2010 when the Deepwater Horizon which is the name of the oil rig it completely exploded and the whole thing just came down killing well I don't want to say how many people but it killed a lot of people Peter Berg kind of not fresh off of Lone Survivor but post Lone Survivor has taken another quite sensitive look at another true life disaster and I think for the most part it's paid off really really well it doesn't feel exploitative and I think it's a genuinely really heartfelt tribute to the people that lost their lives during this so you've got 
Mark Wahlberg, who's playing Mike Williams, who's sort of this everyman at the heart of it. Um, he's working with Kurt Russell's Mr. Jimmy, who um, we've you know keep highlighting as the standout of this film with his big old bushy moustache. <laughs> he's very very good. And then you've also got Kate Hudson on board as Wahlberg's wife in the film. It's really really interesting for Berg because it's really sort of technical. And this film was meant to be by J.C. Chandor, um, who did Margin Call, up until quite late in the day. So the fact that Berg's come on board and completely turned around. Chandler's vision is insane and it's a massive testament to the director and although we sort of know him for the big explosive stuff and yes the final third is very big and very explosive I think this does show quite an interesting other side to him mm. there's some really interesting shots sort of just tracking along through the the rig looking at different parts of the rig and what they do and they're quite silent which I think for Berg a lot of people don't really expect it's just a really really interesting film everyone's sort of giving it their absolute all you've got Malkovich playing a BP executive who is just doing his you know sort of John Malkovich doing what he does best basically yeah basically yeah and Cajun John Malkovich <laughs> amazing accent yes. yeah it is a really interesting accent isn't it and yeah you've got people like Dylan O'Brien from the Maze Runner in there there's also uh, Gina Rodriguez uh, is very good from Jane the Virgin um, she is smaller role but really good I, I was actually on set of this and I have to say they so they essentially oh, wow. built an oil rig in a forest near New Orleans because they weren't allowed on any oil rigs for some reason sure. the oil companies weren't too keen on this film being made and they built a full size oil rig almost I think 85% in a huge tank of water and they were so obsessed with getting sort of verisimilitude and using lots of bought in lots of real equipment from salvage I mean the level of detail is extraordinary and uh, the whole I think the whole process for Peter Berg was uh, to try and represent these men faithfully he wasn't yeah. you know he's like we've all heard about the environmental disaster we know that happened let's talk about the human disaster that yeah. also happened and I thought that was kind of an interesting approach and um, I, I'm not going to review it because I was on set but sure. it, I think in that sense I think they've, they've succeeded they had all the the families of the of the dead men come to visit the set or at least many of them people brought photos mementos and I think that sort of care for the people kind of shines through yeah it just could. could not be further away from Battleship which <laughs> is yes no but, but seriously like that's a really he, he can make a really I know a lot of people think it's you know too on the nose but for me I absolutely lost it during the end of this film and I think it's incredibly moving and I think it's a really beautiful tribute personally I liked I, I thought the first he handled the first hour or so of it really really well mm. I think the setup is great yeah you know there's some pretty heavy-handed bits of uh, of, for, of foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The daughter who, you know, demonstrates what might potentially go wrong if you have a large amount of pressure from the ground up, the seabed up, getting out of control early on, which is an interestingly prophetic moment. The sort of establishing the characters are very, very good. And, and, and you know, it's obviously jargony, but mm. it's okay, you know. You just let them talk about spriggets and whatnot <laughs> yeah. and, and just yeah. sit back. And, in- Interestingly, even the word true. mud is actually jargony for something that isn't technically mud. Interesting. In this case, yeah. I didn't know that. I haven't yeah. seen the film. Okay. There is a so lot in there, isn't it, there? It doesn't talk it. down to you and it doesn't sort of exposit lots mm. of stuff at you, which is good. 
I think where it kind of slightly was less effective is in the second half of the story when the 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 explosions happened. It's a t- tension break in itself, I suppose, and then you're just into survival mode. The problem with it being a true story is you can't really deviate from what happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the Urban Allen movies, Towering Inferno, you could go go wild with what happens to the characters because it's fictional. But here, he sort of has to follow, you know, the actual events, and consequently, you know, it's chaotic and it's it's just fire everywhere. You can barely catch sight or work out who's who anymore, and no one really has any sort of. There's not really any kind of progression. I don't know if you felt that, but I did. It felt rushed at that point. It just felt quite quick. Yeah, I don't know. In it a did way feel that... rushed. I thought there'd be more yeah, of like... that of that kind of towering inferno style towel over the head, trying to get from A to B, and and there's a bit of that, but inevitably that's not what happened I mean partly because these guys were good and they knew the evacuation procedures and they knew you know what to do and they're not sort of clueless civilians on a a cruise ship but so it's a tribute to them but yeah I mean as cinema it it does give yourself a bit of a problem I guess you want at least one sort of Ernest Borgnine character who's just (laughs) kind of just feeding his way through the stuff for the first time yeah I think you're right they're all very professional so we gave that four four stars stars, which is very much a recommendation so, uh, so yeah, might be worth a look this week. Yeah. Staying with real life, there's a film version this week of uh, The Obama's First Date. So Barack and Michelle Obama have talked in the past on the record about their first date. And the makers of South Side With You have essentially extrapolated from that a film. And it's a sort of uh, before sunrise type walking through a scenic city kind of a film, in this case Chicago, and two people laying out their kind of philosophies on life and love and work and and race and politics uh, and uh, and trying to figure each, each other out. I mean, the difference in this case, of course, is that they go on to become the president and first lady of the United States of America, <laughs> yeah. um, which is, you know, not to the best of my knowledge what happened uh, to any of Richard Linklater's characters. <laughs> Although, hey, I'm keeping an eye on those everybody wants some guys. Yes. So, yeah, I quite... I I enjoyed this, uh, even though it's massively on the nose quite often. There's a lot of quite specific foreshadowing of stuff that will come up in their politics uh, later on in life. But it's quite charming all the same. I think they've done a really good job with the casting, particularly of Barack Obama, who was still going by Barry a lot at this stage. It's kind of nice when it's when it's playing its hand quite lightly and when you see the glimmerings of something to come, but not necessarily the fully-fledged kind of presidential figure in the making. So um, so fair play to them. Tika Sumter and Parker Sawyers are the two stars, and I think they do really, really well. Um, but yeah, it's just a little bit too on the nose to, for real greatness. There's another Barack Obama film coming out called Barry, which I haven't seen yet, but which I also hear great things about, so I'll be checking that out. Such a catchy name, isn't it? <laughs> I know. But uh, this one we'll be getting, this one we gave three stars, which I think is fair. Hmm. Barry. Yeah. You Barry. do look at it and think that feels like it might be a sort of TV movie, but it's slightly better than that, isn't it? It's, yeah, it is. And I think they, you know, they do make the most of the Chicago locations, you know, spectacular art museums, beautiful parks, that kind of thing. It made me want to go on holiday. <laughs> But it, it's just it's just that little bit less subtle than I think you want it to be sure. in this kind of situation. So yeah, I mean in in the in the realm of presidential biopics, I would put it well ahead of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, but perhaps a little bit behind biopics. say Lincoln. <laughs> you know. So yeah, we all know he was definitely a vampire hunter. Films that don't make you want to go on holiday this week include Under the Shadow. <laughs> yes, tell me more. Which is really interesting because 
I saw it a little while ago and it's subsequently been picked as Britain's uh, entry for That's foreign foreign mm. language yeah. Academy Award which is unusual I would say because it's uh, because it's directed by um, Babak Anvari who was Iranian born yes. but raised in Britain so classifies as a British filmmaker um, and he's made a fantastic movie um, I have to say it, it's a horror movie first and foremost mm. it's set at the end of the 80s in the height of the Iran-Iraq war and um, uh, set in a sort of apartment block in Tehran and revolves around um, a mother Nargez Rashidi and her young daughter um, who is I think sort of five, six, seven in that kind of a ballpark okay. and uh, her husband gets drafted as a doctor to go away and serve at the front leaving her and her daughter at home they're kind of sort of in the middle class bracket I guess and she does things that you're not supposed to do um, she's pretty one of the sort of liberal mm-hmm. um, lifestyle she has a Jane Fonda workout videos which she has <laughs> to hide um, which she exercises to every evening in front of the TV um, the kind of things that really do get you in trouble with the authorities which becomes a bit of a plot point um, her, her kind of reluctance to conform but what, what this is basically is a is a horror movie that kind of it, it's kind of takes in inspiration I think from sort of Arabian Nights um, I don't want to give too much away about what the sort of menace is but effectively there's a haunting um, everything's reasonably okay but there is a backdrop of a bombing a missile bombing campaign by Iraq on Tehran so people are fleeing the country fleeing the city but she won't leave she wants to stay there um, but gradually her building becomes more and more sort of of a haunted house effectively in some Ooh. ways and then uh, one day suddenly a missile rains through the roof of the flat above her um, and with it uh, the implication some malevolent spirit so it's a really really interesting kind of backdrop to a horror movie and the period detail is captured very finely the performance by Nargez uh, Rashidi is fantastic uh-huh. uh, and her younger daughter because um, it's really a two-hander for the most part uh, the, the jump scares are there but they're sparingly used it's really a piece about mood and atmosphere and uh, and it's got plenty of both um, we've given it five stars and uh, as the review makes clear Kim Newman's review that it's subtler than sort of an insidious movie but it is a really interesting film about mother-daughter relationship and uh, it's scary awesome I mean I'm easily scared yeah but it's scary and uh, even if you're less easily scared than me, I think. <laughs> well, it's hard to say because I'm just me, so I don't know. But I, it, it it scared me, and I, I I really like the the setting. It's very much it it doesn't just it doesn't just have period detail. It really uses it to heighten the horror. Wow. In interesting ways. So five stars. Go see. Definitely. Um, we also gave five stars this week to Swiss Army Man, which is the film with Daniel Radcliffe playing a corpse. Now that premiered at Empire Live. Last Last week, but sadly, we were all running around like headlong chickens, <laughs> not actually watching it. So, none of us in the booth have seen it. But Chris is a huge fan, he wrote the review, and we would definitely recommend it. He uh, he absolutely loved it, as did Terry. Actually, she was raving about it the other day as well. Speaking of Empire Live, you may also remember that we had a certain insanely handsome podcast guest who came in to talk to us about his new TV show, not Tom Bennett, although oh, he is so too handsome. insanely handsome, uh, but Mike Coulter, who came in to talk about Luke Cage, and that, of course goes live on Netflix as you're listening to this today Friday the 30th yeah. um, so you can see it now now we've only seen the first half so far but it is definitely worth your time for my money it is at least the second best Netflix show 
uh, Netflix Marvel show. <laughs> Netflix time. Marvel show. Uh, so far, so I would put it uh, on the basis of the first half. I would put it behind, just behind Daredevil season one, and comfortably ahead of Jessica Jones and Daredevil season two. Them fighting was so. Yeah, that's right. I'm going there. So, uh, but <laughs> but really, really good. Great sense of place. Incredible music. We also have a feature on that one in the new issue of Empire. We talked about it in the live podcast, mm-hmm. but that is now on shelves everywhere you can go and physically buy it even if you're not at Empire Live it is there um, and it is definitely worth reading Dan's piece on that because he goes into a great amount of detail with the showrunner yes. Cho Hadari Coker and the stars um, and it's a fascinating insight to the to the series without being spoilerific importantly we haven't got the review yet because we're waiting to see a bit more so that will be online hopefully on Monday we think it'll be online on Monday so if you want to wait to watch it to read the review first I'm sorry it will be then and on that bombshell it is time for us to say goodbye join us next week for more film related fun when we will be joined by two more fantastic guests separately this time not together uh, Luke Evans is coming in to talk about The Girl on the Train mm-hmm. his new film and we'll probably ask him about other stuff as well um, and Andrea Arnold is coming in to talk about her uh, latest directorial effort American Honey which is a fantastic film that I like a lot until yeah. then it's goodbye from Emma goodbye it's goodbye from Phil goodbye and it's goodbye from me I'm off to get Phil to give me the benefit of his college education on segways, apparently. So, yep. yep. Teach you some Lion King songs too, if you're lucky. (laughs) Oh, I look forward to all those three lyrics that you can remember. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. See you next week.